Hello, my name is Larry Lannon, the writer behind the local Fishers Indiana news blog, LarryInFishers.com. I started the blog in January of 2012, and it is still going. Four years after that, in 2016, I started the LarryInFishers.com podcast series featuring guests of local interest. That podcast is still going strong. Now, if you like the podcast and are listening on a platform such as iTunes, you'll just take a moment, rate and comment on my podcast series. It's time now for the latest LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm at the Hamilton East Library in downtown Fishers, and my guest is Megan Bub Gartner. Megan is the Director of Economic Development for the City of Fishers. She has been on my podcast <laughs> before, so I thought it was way over past time to bring you back in. Welcome back, Megan. Thank you. It's good to be here. I can still remember the first time you were uh, on a podcast. You were on with... Brandon you were, Dickinson. You were on with mm-hmm. Brandon, and when he left, you took over that job. I did. And uh, you have had no shortage of work to do. No, it's been quite a ride. (laughs) So we are going to talk about that subject exactly, what happened last year. Because 2022 was a year of major activity in the area of economic development. You know, the mayor's always told me that by the time he gets to a ribbon-cutting ceremony, he's already trying to get the next project done. <laughs> yep. so, I mean, he, he enjoys that, but he's, his mind is, is not there. It's at the next project. I sure, I'm, I'm fairly certain you're about the same way. That's very true. Uh, I want to discuss some of the major projects from last year, but first I'd like you to just do me a favor and give me a, a general picture of how a major development project works. Just to start out, like, do you end up pursuing these companies? Do they pursue you? Or are they just generally saying, okay, I want to locate in the metro Indianapolis area, and then you go from there? Give people who are not familiar with this whole process, if you will, how that works. Sure. So it depends on the type of development. So with Stevenato, for example, that's our Italian pharmaceutical glass manufacturer. They started with a broker and a site selection group and had connections to central Indiana, and they knew they wanted to be near Lilly for future expansion opportunities. And so we were presented with an option, or we were um, allowed to submit some proposed sites for them. And um, with that one, it was an active negotiation of we pitched them on two different sites originally um, and started to narrow in and really had to do a lot of due diligence for them and look at utility information and um, development costs and try to paint this full picture for them of this new vision and fissures around life sciences. So that one was a very active engagement and an active recruitment. Um, With Andretti, we got connected to them kind of randomly through a separate project that they were related to or involved in um, and said through this connection, hey, you need to meet with Michael Andretti to talk about his plans for his headquarters expansion. So that one was a little bit different. Um, And then the event center and everything around Fisher's District, that one really is, um, we led the charge on that one. So um, instead of waiting for opportunities to come to us, like what Savinato did, um, that one we were actively working to put that development together and try and recruit companies and experiences down to that location. 
I'm going to talk about, I'm going to dive into some of those uh, in particular. I'm going to start off with Andretti. In fact, the day we are recording this, which is January the 5th, there was a big announcement. Mm -hmm. Andretti wants very badly to become a Formula One team. Now, I, I followed auto racing for most of my life, and, and the politics and economics of, of Formula One are almost impossible to understand. It's a lot of money to even just put your hat in the ring. Um, and then you've got to deal with the other owners and the organization of, of FIA, which is the, 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 the sanctioning body, but it's mostly uh, the Ferraris and the mm-hmm. Mercedes and all the big teams really do, uh, do uh, how should I put it, run the show. Mm-hmm. And will they let... Andretti in they're talking now they're talking they do want one new uh, uh, team to come in I should put it that way and they need an American team because mm-hmm. they now have three races in the United States they've got Miami they've got Austin and they're adding Las Vegas next year no me I didn't know that part you wouldn't believe what the rooms are going for in Las oh, Vegas sure. for that trip it's yeah. because there had always Formula One always they were always wanted to have the race in downtown Vegas but Formula One said if we're coming we want to be on the strip well, anybody who's been to Las Vegas knows mm-hmm. the Strip is crowded all the time with <laughs> right. cabs and and all kinds of vehicles, rental vehicles. All that. I've been there enough to know that. But now somehow Vegas has found a way to let traffic get around and still use the Strip for the racetrack. And uh, and, and so that's uh, – with three different races in the United States, there still is no team you could really call an American mm-hmm. team. There's one team with some American involvement. But I think it's it's well. I won't even get into it. <laughs> the way it's funded. I mean, again, we're getting to Formula One, and I'm not an expert on that. I know enough from what I read from other experts. But the idea that Andretti is going to be a Formula One team, that headquarter would be at the Fisher's location. Yep. Uh, that they are b- uh, preparing to build now. Here's what surprised me about this, and I want to ask you something about Andretti because when. IndyCar teams particularly have located in the Indianapolis area. They've always done it like on the west side, Mm -hmm. in Speedway, near Speedway, Claremont, Zionsville. They wanted to be on that side of town with the Speedway. Well, Fishers is on the entirely opposite side (laughs) of the Indy metro area, yet Andretti wanted their headquarters here. So I'm just curious, based on your talks with them, what drew them to Fishers? So I think a couple of different things and what we've talked to a couple of different racing teams throughout the years um, interested in new headquarters. And for a lot of these groups, they bring everything on site to the 500 and to the speedway in May. So all of their trucks and trailers that they bring, everything moves with them. And so proximity and because of this new technology, they don't have to have their main headquarters within a stone's throw of the speedway. Um, And what's really interesting with Andretti is all of these other racing series that they are involved in really aren't located in in are at the speedway. So location really is more about um, and has been during their search for this new location is where um, what's going to be able to provide a great location for their employees. Um, racing is all about sponsors and um, entertaining people and clients. And so they wanted a space that was also going to be a showstopper and a showcase for their company as well to then be able to come in and host clients and sponsors. Um, And so when they were talking to us, they really kept talking about a campus and wanting to create amenities around it that 
anybody who goes there, whether it's a member of the community or one of their sponsors or one of their employees or drivers, that you have a really um, unique to Andretti experience. Um, and when they started talking about their interest in a Formula One team, if you look at what McLaren's headquarters has, um, what they built in the UK and these other groups, they are truly set in the middle of a lot of them are in forests and big open areas, and they have created an entire campus and kind of kingdom around those um, developments. And so I think they wanted that someplace, they wanted that same feel. Um, and for us, we've always seen the east side of the development of, of the airport development as a campus. We've been very protective of that since we entered into the MOU at the airport in 2015. And um, their interest in creating um, a sustainable building, there's requirements that they're trying to hit for LEED certification, an interest in um, integrating nature with it. It was truly a perfect location for us, um, for us, for them. Um, and they are really, really excited about the amenities that they plan to create that brings people in off of the Nickel Plate Trail, that brings people off of I-69. Um, and again, is a showcase for their sponsors and clients when they come in. So with that one, um, it really was about the unique experience and the location um, that they were looking for. And it ended up being a great fit and could not have asked for a better group to go there. And here's something I heard quite often when this announcement was made. They say, wait a minute, this is right next to Richie Woods. Do we want a <laughs> bunch of uh, racing people right next to Richie Woods? <laughs> I checked into it, and everything I heard was that the Andretti family is very interested in the preservation of nature and liked the fact that uh, they'll be located next to a, an area like Richie Woods. Absolutely. So um, we had a lot of questions when it first came out. Are they going to be practicing outside? There's no practicing. <laughs> there's no racetrack or anything that will be outside. Um, but they are planning to try and integrate a trail connection into Richie Woods. They're really interested in partnering with – um, our parks department and the schools about the Nature First program out at Ritchie Woods. So they really do see that as an amenity and want to leverage that. Um, and so for the ability for the first graders who are going through Ritchie Woods to then be able to spend a day in the Andretti like, global racing headquarters um, and talk about their sustainability efforts after being in Ritchie Woods, um, it really is an incredible um, complement to it that they want to leverage. Well, and the, what really impressed me was this is just not a headquarters for the racing team, that there's going to be a museum and a restaurant, so this mm -hmm. will be like a tourist attraction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they really want to create a best-in-class location for members of the community, for them to celebrate their family legacy, um, and their intent is that, so they have all, they've purchased the 90 acres for their headquarters that 585,000 square feet facility, they have under contract with the airport all of that remaining developable land aside from the area that patch development is moving forward on. Um, and so they do plan on creating a larger campus and, and creating more amenities around it. So um, skipping forward to 2023 and this year, um, we're really looking forward to working with them on what that vision is and seeing what, what comes next out there. And this, the timeline on this may go into 2025 before it's open. Nobody's quite sure yet. Correct. So they're out there grading right now. Um, they will have a big site that they have to do grading on. Um, and then if people are driving around that area, we're doing sewer work out there. Um, but the intent is, is 2025, and it, it makes sense just with how large that facility is. But they are not going to stop moving until that, that building is done. 
And just to clarify, uh, the reason I said there was a uh, step forward on Formula One is because uh, there was an announcement made on, on January 5th that Andretti is partnering with General Motors for their Cadillac brand to come with them if they go into Formula One, which is a big step forward to get a, mm-hmm. a major manufacturer yep. uh, partnering with them. All those teams have made, whether it's Ferrari or Mercedes or a whole list mm-hmm. of them, McLaren is now trying to become competitive in both Formula One and IndyCar. So right. they're back in the game where they had not been for many years. Let's move to life science. As you mentioned, Stavanato, uh, the mayor said that uh, the cat got out of the bag when the star did their annual uh, Freedom of information request on his travel because he had been, <laughs> yeah. he went to Italy, which was, you know, the, this man, every time they do that, that travel, right? It's like a hundred dollars. Yeah, it's like if it's a hundred dollars, it's a lot. <laughs> right. So all of a sudden, he had this Italian trip, which is a little out of character for mm-hmm. him, but he had a reason to do that yep. because uh, he was trying to get Stevanato here. Not only has Stevanato committed to come to Fishers, and their facility is under construction if you're in that area south of 126 near. 37 and Cumberland Road, uh, they have also committed to increase mm-hmm. uh, the number of employees they're going to have at that facility, upping the ante, if you will. I, the one that uh, I just want to ask you about this, be- because sometimes there are many moving parts that have to come together here. And you, you already talked about Stevanato and how they, they chose Fishers because they had certain things they wanted. To be close to Lily, they probably needed a certain type of uh, of uh, location and this seemed to to fit what they wanted in this area. You've already talked about this, but uh, I'm sure we were not the only uh, city in the game on this. What do you think uh, tilted that in our favor? I think what we've learned, and Scott and I have cut our teeth on economic development around tech and entrepreneurship, um, and what's been really successful for us has been Um, connecting with companies and leadership of companies and their teams to determine exactly what their issue is and what their gap is and to create an economic development package and an incentive package that solves that exact issue instead of just a blanket, here, go make this work. Um, And we sell ourselves as partners to those companies. Um, And so I think that 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 has made a big difference in it. we were able to then help create this entire park, um, the 75-acre park around them, um, and really we're able to show them the track record we have of being able to deliver things on time to be um, responsive for our permitting inspections and planning and zoning teams for all of us to be able to come alongside them to be invested in their success as well. And so um, there were other communities in central Indiana. I think they were looking at a couple of other states as well. Um, so it was a grind to the end, um, but a super exciting project. And when we learned in 2021, I guess it was October of 2021, that this potential expansion that came out over the summer was on the table. You're exactly right. Scott does not like to travel. And I told him, we have to go to Italy. And um, it was a whirlwind trip of myself um, him and Anna, uh, his wife, she paid for everything separately. Um, but we all went over there and because Scott doesn't like to travel, we had like a 40 hour or, um, yeah, uh, 48 hour trip it, that oh we were God. actually in, in Italy. So, oh, okay. we okay. so that outside the travel, it was still uh, just basically a couple of days. Yeah. So we left on a Saturday morning, got to Italy 
on a Sunday afternoon, had meetings all day, Monday, Tuesday, and flew back Wednesday. Oh, my God. Um, and so it was a whirlwind, but it was— So Anna was the only one that got to do any sightseeing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it was incredible. I mean, we've—because we started in tech and entrepreneurship and um, that sort of—or that side of the world and really hadn't done much um, manufacturing and certainly not life science manufacturing um, other than INCOG at, at that point— um, it was an incredible experience to learn and to see, but then also, again, to strengthen these relationships with, that we have with their team so that as we start talking about what the future looks like for them, bringing them alongside us as we expand this industry in Fishers. And so we really do have a great partner now. Um, but he, I will n- never forget, he was sitting in one of those gray twisty chairs up in our, the admin area and told me, I'm going to end up on the front page of the Indie Star. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the morning that it came out on the Indie Star and the picture is on him, he just came up to me and held the the front page. I was, I'm, we're getting a five hundred and twelve million dollar project out of it. I'm sorry, but not sorry. Uh, but well, it all I don't out. think he can ever really get come close to Jim Brainerd on travel. I hate to say that, but he always they always had a, a full uh, itinerary for him. I want to ask about the life science industry. I am certainly no expert in it myself, but doing some reading on it, and knowing a few people who are familiar with that industry, they tell me that the way it's actually kind of like a small community, uh, mm-hmm. that industry, and that once the word gets out that a particular place is good for business, that that is going to mean that you may have other companies, mm-hmm. whether they're European or somewhere else in the world or even uh, domestic, who may want to look at you that did not want to look at you before. How important is that? It has been incredibly important. And again, it's modeled and we've modeled the connections with that industry similar to how we have with tech and startups um, is that one-on-one connection. So um I mean, when INCOG started, we had a local connection to part of their site selection team. But INCOG first introduced us to Stevenato when they had started their site search. Um, List Bio, which is our Korean or South Korean company, um, we were connected with them through or to them directly through um, Scioto Biosciences. And so this whole network of um, it's so much more powerful and has been such a successful strategy for us to create advocates of what we're doing. And the best way to do that is to deliver on what we're saying we're going to do. Um, And so that without those connections, without that group, we wouldn't see any of this today um, because they believed in it. They want to be part of the story. And then again, they're the most powerful storytellers of that. So um, that is the most important thing I think for us. It's amazing how personal relationships, even in the high tech world still are quite valuable, aren't they? Absolutely. Yep. Uh, I want to talk about the Fishers District. You already mentioned that. Originally called the Yard. Mm -hmm. Now, I won't get into why the name changed. There was a reason for that. It has to do with legalities and all that. Yes. The one thing I I have always been impressed with, with the Fishers District, it opened in just a few days, not days, a few months later, we had a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And restaurants had to close. People couldn't go in. They tried, you know, to use carryout as best they could. Uh, and even though they certainly got some government help, there's no question the city even, I'm sure, provided some help. Uh, I think every restaurant and perhaps even retail that was open before the pandemic is still open today. Is that correct? Yeah, as far as I know. And none of those um, – none of 
through our startup and recovery loan program. I don't think any of those groups received any sort of assistance, financial assistance from the city. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the way that the community rallied around local restaurants, um, that development, that certainly made a difference. And again, it's a great experience. Um, I think that if people didn't have a good time when they would go there, um, people wouldn't keep coming back. Um, but it's been incredibly successful. Um, and again, that's why we're excited about this next phase with the union and everything around Fisher's uh, Event Center as well. Well, the current uh, Fisher's District, I mean, there are times when parking is at a premium, which is exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's very popular. Lots of those restaurants have regular customers all the time. <laughs> now, I asked uh, Todd uh, Zimmerman about what to expect when the when the Fisher's District expands, and they said, "Boy, I wish I could tell you," <laughs> but he said, "I think you're going to see some names you will recognize, and I think you'll you'll find some brands that will draw people there." So this expansion of Fisher's District, his indication was you'll see new retail and restaurants sort of in line with what we already have there. Is that what yeah. you're seeing? So I think that there's two different feels to the expansion of the area. So the Union, which is immediately south of the existing Fishers District, so just south of that um, Hyatt uh, dual-branded hotel, that's going to feel exactly like Fishers District. So we're working really hard with Thompson Thrift to make sure that it's pedestrian connect or it's pedestrian friendly, that it feels like an extension and, and connection to that. Um, and so it's going to be the same focus of first-in-class um, retail, restaurants, that sort of very Fishers District feel. Um, and then down by the event center, I think you'll see less of like the small retail shops that you'll see at Fishers District and now in this expansion area. But around the event center, really trying to focus on um, first-in-class entertainment options as well. So trying to create some activity Uh, In that area all the time, there's going to be this incredible plaza space outside of the event center and making sure that that's something that's utilized and activated when there isn't something always going on at the event center. So that'll be the focus for that area. Um, I think Todd's probably right that there will be some pretty exciting names, hopefully, that come to fruition in the union um, and then really, really cool concepts going down by the event center as well. Yeah, and I'm sure you probably uh, breathed a sigh of relief when the financing package was finally <laughs> approved because there was at least one controversial component of that, and that was the food and beverage tax, which the town had rejected before we became a city, or and they didn't reject it, they tabled it and never mm-hmm. brought it back is the most accurate way to describe that. But the mayor said that for the financing package to work that he needed, he needed that 1% food and beverage tax, which all the surrounding communities around us do have. Correct. Uh, so the question was, should we do that? And uh, now that there uh, – and actually before there was no project at mm-hmm. that time. You had you were limited in how to use that those funds and the project. We didn't have one. Mm-hmm. Well, now we have one. Right. Uh, an arena that will seat anywhere from 6,500 to 8,500 people, depending uh, upon the project. You're going to have at least 41, I think, dates with uh, the Indy Fuel hockey mm-hmm. team, and that just assumes they're not in the playoffs. There could be more if they end up in the playoffs. Uh, there'll be, you know, Mudsock basketball games, girls and boys that can be put in there. And I think the most exciting thing I heard uh, about the school's was the fact that we can finally have graduation ceremonies <laughs> in Fishers. They've mm-hmm. been uh, in the Coliseum. They've been at the convention center downtown, which is a little bit of a hike. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we can finally have our graduation here. So we've seen some 
artist renderings of what that's going to be like. Uh, I have heard from people who book acts, entertainment acts, that this will be a place that these entertainment uh, acts are going to want to use. Mm -hmm. And I think it was Hamilton County Tourism that came out and said uh, she believes that there will be a lot of convention demand mm -hmm. for this facility, which means it will be, once it's completed, if all that comes together, that will be a busy place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's... Um so we have an RFP out right now for an operator and manager um, to partner with us so that we make sure that we are doing all of that correctly. Um, but what's been incredible is our partners to date. So with Hamilton County Tourism, um, they've been able to come and bring some really unique options and um, opportunities that they're hearing about when they're out at conventions and talking with groups. So they're getting connected um, with some interest in the space. So um, I think it, I mean, there are so many opportunities out there. Um, and again, the density and the, the, the people who go downtown Indy for a lot of those experiences, a lot of people are Hamilton County residents. Um, and so having this facility, it will fit a niche within, um, the entertainment industry, especially I think for music venues that currently doesn't exist in central Indiana. Um, and so we are very, very optimistic about that. So I'm glad to hear that you're hearing that oh, yeah. word on the street too. <laughs> yes, I think it's uh, the same thing you're hearing. And I didn't. So you're just you're, you're you have an RFP. You don't have a vendor yet to, to book these acts at this point. No. So that's okay. what the operator and manager. Are. Okay. Yep. You know, uh, I moved to Fishers in 1991. <laughs> okay, think about the. You were not here at the time, I, right? Um, I lived just south of 96th Street. All so right. so 91, you, I knew this area. I remember when Cracker Barrel was built. Oh, so, yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, you uh, you go through downtown Fishers in 1991. About the only way that you knew you were downtown was the railroad tracks, mm -hmm. which is now the trail. And the town hall at that time, which was just our King City Hall and it's just been demolished. That uh, that was the only way you knew you were in Fishers, mm -hmm. the town of Fishers at that time. When I saw the Fishers that existed then, I can honestly say I could never at that time envision a condo development in downtown <laughs> Fishers offering homes with a price tag of up to $1 million. I mean, it's this is such a different place. And, mm -hmm. and of course... The Scott Fadness administration has a lot to do with that. That was his vision from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was um, a super exciting project. And what I love most about it is Mike Albaher, who owns the property where the Rev project and condos are going to go. Um, we'd been working with him. I'd been meeting with him and his daughter, Paige, for two years, um, probably like once a quarter be to say, who who's talking to you right now? What do you really want to see happen here? Um, and it's true with a lot of our redevelopment projects is that if those properties have been owned since the 80s or 90s, they're not carrying debt on it. Um, it's a guaranteed revenue stream. And so it is, it's a conversation that the property owners have to go through of well, do I take on this huge new project um, or stay with what's in place? And so um, we were really, um, we really wanted to make sure that it was a project that he was happy with, that we thought council would be supportive of. Um, and again, with that location, it's right on the nickel plate trail, um, being able to leverage that. And so the architecture that has been brought or that 
that that building will look like, um, the amenities that it'll have, the opportunities it'll bring. Um, it is an incredible, incredible project. So 36 condo units. Um, I, I forget what the latest tally is of people who have sub, um, signed up for an interest in purchasing one of those, but it's been a significantly, um, it's been a significant number of people who are interested in those. I'm sure there is. I've been hearing that there's quite a demand for that. Now, of course, I am not part of that. <laughs> I'm not in that income gap, but there are people who... Uh, we're wanting to stay in Fishers, but sometimes, you know, Carmel had a better offer for them with something in that, that range. So that that's something I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the owners, when they were speaking before the city council, they made it very clear they'd had a number of offers. Mm-hmm. And this was the one that they liked for a variety of reasons you just mentioned. So could have been something entirely different two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. we're very, very excited about that um, and the opportunities it brings to just, again, continue to activate the Nickel Plate Trail, provide great places for people to jump off of the trail and enjoy. Um, so once once that gets going this spring, it'll be very, very exciting. I keep hearing this uh, from people in, in and out of government that Fishers is nearly built out. <laughs> in other words, uh, when we're talking about we're going to have space not just for residential but also some commercial uh, development, do you think that's true? Um, to an extent, yes. Um, so I think our, my planning team will tell you that's 6% of land in Fishers is undeveloped. Um, and a lot of that is zoned for residential development. Um, but I think that the redevelopment that we've seen within the nickel plate district, um, those first generations of buildings and developments that, were placed in a location that really wasn't driving density because that wasn't the vision or that wasn't something that was um, the goal at that time, um, really provides really unique opportunities if you can make the land assemblage happen. Um, So for undeveloped land, for sure, down by um, Delaware Park, so Fisher's Gateway, where um, the state project is going, um, that I think there'll be, there's still like 70, 70 to 90 acres down there. For future commercial and office development, um, Cross Point Business Park has some land, the airport, and then a lot of that for commercial development then is left um, up off of 136th Street and exit 210. So um, it is different for sure, which I think that we see that as an opportunity to be really, really thoughtful and make sure that we're picking the right projects that ensure sustainable um, development in the long term as well. I've been looking backwards because I know better than to ask an economic development person what's in the works. (laughs) But looking at what happened in 2022, what a big year, over well over $1 billion. That's a B. $1 billion of investment coming in to the city, which is a huge number Mm -hmm. for a city of 100,000 people, roughly. Uh, Is there any way the city can match or surpass in 2023 what happened in 22? That's a, I mean, my goal is yes. Um, I, we, we don't stop and we, we don't keep looking forward or we always look forward. So you've worked with Scott enough to know he would tell me behind closed doors that by the time it's even the groundbreaking, he's looking forward, not even the ribbon cutting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we don't stop moving forward. We don't, um, there's always a new idea and a new opportunity. And again, I think that the opportunities come to us 
even if the market is starting to struggle um, because of those relationships that we have and how we've been able to execute and deliver in the past. Um, so for us to get another 1.5, 1.3 billion in another year, I would love to say that we could do that again. Um, maybe I just need to call my shot. Yes, Larry, <laughs> we're going to do it again. <laughs> well, and sometimes there are outside forces like economics sure. that can't have an impact on that. But uh, I'm, I'm, what I'm hearing you say is you are fervently with working with the mayor on seeing that something like that might happen. Yeah, I think I'm, we can say that safely. I suppose. Yeah, we. That will be my goal. Anything you would uh, like to add before we wrap this up? No, I think that 2022 has been an incredible year. Um, the team that we have at the city being able to bring everybody in and get alignment and consensus and drive that vision forward, that's that's an up that's a, a heavy lift for everybody. Um, and I love what I get to do each day and I can't wait to see what the next year has in store for us. Megan Bumgartner is the Director of Economic Development for the City of Fishers. Thanks once again for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. If you'd like to comment on my blog, please do so with any suggestions. In the meantime, please be safe and be kind. <laughs>